What's going on, Military Cash Flow family? Today we're back with another episode. As you can see, Dan's not with me right now, but our guest is somebody that Dan interviewed almost a year ago, maybe a little over a year ago. And so now it's my turn. I get to I get to steal my time and be selfish with them. <laughs> Sounds kind of weird. But our guest today is uh, Dave DeBoe. Now he is a master when it comes to raising private capital. Last year, he talked about the steps to consider or the, the process to go through raising capital. But today, he, he breaks down essentially how much one investor is worth to us, right? So in, in, the, in the business world, we look at the lifetime value of a client. All right, so let's say for Nike, for example, if somebody is a diehard Nike fan, then they're collecting the data. They'll see that, okay, this person comes in and buys some shoes maybe once a year, uh, buys uh, some accessories, right, a couple times a year, and then buys, uh, I don't know, like jumper wear or workout gear uh, a couple times a year. So over the span of one year, that one person may have brought in the revenue of, let's just call it $2,000 a year for that one person. But then on average, that same individual may go for 10 years or 15 years or maybe even 20 years to Nike back and forth, right? So let's just say it's it's 20 years. Maybe I should, yeah, I could do the math. Don't worry. It's 20 years and they spend $2,000 a year. That means one client is worth $40,000 to Nike, right? And now that kind of makes sense, right? Don't don't worry about the, the intricacies of it, but it kind of makes sense when you think of like products, shoes, bags, whatever, you know, computers. But I've never really thought about it in the terms of investors, right? Private money to me and my investment journey. So he's going to break it down. It's a pretty short episode, but he is covering all the hot stuff. So without further ado, let's get right to it. Hey, how's it going? This is Dan Wynn and Mike Glaspy. And this is the Military Cashflow Podcast where we teach service members how to build wealth and create passive cash flow through real estate. We cover real deals, real numbers, and real lessons learned from other successful investors. Now, whether you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening on the podcast, we need you to like, share, and subscribe. Now, let's get started creating this military cash flow. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back, Military Cashflow family. And today we have a repeat guest with us, Mr. David DeBoe. How are you doing, sir? Michael, I am fantastic. Thanks so much for having me back on the show. Absolutely. We'd love to have you. Uh, you, you have a podcast, How to Raise uh, Capital 101 show. You also have uh, gave us many tips the last time you were here when you were just speaking with Dan about mm -hmm. the entire process and the thought process essentially behind raising capital, how to go about it. Today, you're going to be talking about how much just one investor is worth to us as a, as a, uh, a real estate investor ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, entrepreneur. Yeah. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about, about that. Yeah, well, I call this the lifetime worth of an investor, Mike. And I first kind of became aware of this number way, way, way back in the 1990s when I had, believe it or not, I had a language training company down in San Jose, Costa Rica, of all places. I lived in, in Costa Rica for 10 years, had a language school down there. And, you know, I was trying to figure out what the hell I was doing, because I was pretty much clueless, you know, my early 20s, illegal alien, working in a foreign country, starting up a business. How tough could it be, right? So I, I didn't have any business background. So I went out and I got all these marketing books and business books and all this kind of stuff. And one guy that I was reading his name is Jay Abraham, absolutely brilliant. 
And he taught me this concept of the lifetime value of a client, LTV. Now, we got a different version of that for real estate investing. That's why I call it lifetime worth. But basically, he said, hey, it's really important that you figure out how much a client or a customer is worth to you in net profit over the lifetime of your working relationship with that person, because then that'll put into perspective how much time, effort, and money you should you should put into getting new clients or customers. Does that make sense, Michael? So Absolutely. way back then in Costa Rica, you know, I was just getting started with my business. I was struggling. It was a very competitive market. We had over 50 direct and indirect competitors. I think I was the only guy that read that book and understood that concept because I realized, hey, the lifetime value of a client to me was $12,000 at that time, which for me was like, boom, this is mind boggling. Can't believe this. And when I understood that, then I understood, hey, you know what? I shouldn't have any problem investing a thousand bucks or even 2000 bucks or whatever it is to get one of these new clients on board, because that's how much they're worth to me over a period of time. Does that make sense? So I very quickly took my little struggling language company from the bottom of the heap to the top three in about two and a half years, because I understood that concept, the lifetime value of a client. So fast forward 20 years or whatever the heck was, and I started getting into real estate investing. I started raising capital. And at the time that I was doing this, I was doing a strategy that you're familiar with because you did some creative stuff as well. I, I was doing rent to own. But we were doing a different kind. We were doing tenant first rent owns. We'd actually buy people a house and then lease option it to them for two to three years and all that kind of stuff. So I thought, why don't, why don't I figure out what the lifetime worth of an investor is to me in this business? So I crunched all the numbers. <clears throat> as far as I know, Mike, I'm, I'm like the first real estate guy that's applied this to investors. And when I crunched the number, it really blew my mind because the number for me 20 years later, we're doing real estate investing. It wasn't $12,000. It was $120,000 was the lifetime worth of an investor to me in my rent to own business. Fast forward a few years, I started getting into multifamily business, bigger deals, bigger dollars, and the lifetime worth went up even higher. So if you're up for it, my friend, why don't we crunch the lifetime worth of an investor for you, Michael Glasby, um, with... I know you do a whole bunch of different kinds of things, but um, maybe something that, that a lot of people can understand, get their head around, like maybe single family home type deals. You, you do those kind. We were talking offline and you say yeah. you've done quite a few burrs. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And All I love right. the fact that this is something that uh, for those who study business at a collegiate level, they're going to talk about lifetime value of a client. And it's funny that you said that because I have never, I have never made that connection of doing the same thing to an investor. So I'm really, I'm really interested in this. I got, I got a lot of notes coming up. All right, so let's get to it. <laughs> well, fortunately for me, Michael, you're a numbers kind of guy. So this is going to make it easier. You're going to be able to check my math because I'm, math is not my strong suit, but this is fun with math. So the first number we got to figure out here, Michael, is when, you know, and I know a burr is a long-term buy and hold kind of a strategy, but we're going to take a 10-year snapshot just to kind of have bookends on this. So let's pretend you're taking one of your standard burr deals, and let's just extrapolate all of the different profits you and your investors make on a typical burr over a 10-year time period, and then let's add that all up together to kind of figure out what, what your 
your gross net profit is. All right. So with your best guess, and I know we're just kind of spitballing it here, so we won't hold you to it too much, but you know, what are the different profit centers? So chances are when you're getting into a burr, you're looking for properties that are under market value. You're kind of going direct to the seller. Is, is that typically how you're getting into your burrs? Yep. Yep. So do ideally. You, <laughs> yeah, ideally. So could you say there's, there's, a, there's a chunk of instant equity there when you're buying the property? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's take that into account. I'll just let you kind of jot the numbers down. So whatever your, your average instant equity is going to be. And then chances are when you're doing a burr, you're probably putting in a secondary suite in the property or a carriage house or something like that, you're increasing the value, you're adding a, an extra unit to the property, you're, you're forcing up the value of the property. So what would you say conservatively on average is the average amount that you're forcing the value of the property up? What, what would you say that was? Uh, depending on the deal size, I mean, it could be 50,000, 75,000. Okay. It could be 30,000. Yeah. So we'll right. use 50,000 so right now. Let's yeah. use 50. And what did we say for instant equity? Did you say 25,000 or something like that? Yeah, let's equity? do 25. Yep. Okay. So 25, so plus 50. So now we're up to $75,000. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. And then let's look over, you're using like a 10 year time frame, Give or take, what do you think your cash flow would be over those 10 years? Cash flow, let's give it another... 10 years, let's give it another 75,000. That's okay. with the with mortgage on it. Yeah, exactly. So 75,000, so we're adding that on. So now what are we up to, 150,000? Yep, 150. Okay, now over 10 years, you know, being, I know things have gone crazy the last few years, but being conservative, what would you say the market appreciation on that kind of a property would be over a 10-year time frame? And if you want to throw in depreciation there as well, what's, what's your best guess on what that might look like? Oh yeah, I'm at a four percent market average. I mean, depreciation alone saving. Let's just let's throw on another. Let's throw on another hundred thousand. Okay, a hundred thousand dollars, and then one last one over a ten-year time frame. You would be paying down your mortgage fairly significantly. Yep. What do you think the mortgage paydown would be over that time frame, give or take? Yeah, let's go with another. <clears throat> so another. Depending on the size, let's just go ahead and throw in twenty five thousand, just kind of round it off. Oh, probably more than that, but any anyhow, it should be more. Speak, yeah, let's say conservatively. All right. So, what does that all up to there? Add up to there, Michael. That's I'm not sure. Two hundred seventy five thousand dollars. Two hundred seventy five thousand dollars. Okay. All right. Now, does that seem fairly realistic to you, or is this pie in the sky, or is this? Is, is no, this no. Seem this like seems real. This seems really uh, very realistic, and even at the smaller price point of that hundred and twenty, hundred fifty thousand dollar project per project. Yeah this still seems very realistic. Okay, very good. So now let's assume that you brought the deal to the table, you brought the expertise to the table, you did all the heavy work, but you brought an investor partner on board who put in all of the capital. So you don't have any of your own money in the deal. Investors have their own money in the deal. What kind of a, a split would you probably do with your investor partners? Uh, let's just say 50-50, we'll make okay. it simple. All right, very good. So what is 50% of that number? What was 275 total? Two, 275, yep. And I should be quicker. That's all right. I got this. <laughs> well, we're, we're keeping it real here, Matt. Yeah, $137,500. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep you going there with the calculator because my math skills aren't that good. So that's what we're going to start with. That's the first number. 
I'm just showing it up here on the screen, you guys, if you're listening to this, I've just written 137,500 as our first number. Now, we need to, that's our average net profit on this kind of a deal. That's our average profit. That's, that's what Michael's putting in his pocket one way or the other over 10 years with this average kind of a deal, right? That's after we paid our investors, before we paid taxes, but you know, we'll keep taxes out of there. Let's just focus on that. So that's Mike's profit on a burr, an average burr conservatively over a 10 year time frame. Does that seem about right to you, Michael? Yes, it does. Okay. So the next thing we need to do is divide it by the number of investors we would need to do one of these kind of deals. So I'm guessing, and correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, for this kind of little single family home type deal, you probably just want to work with one investor per property. Would that be fair? Yeah. Okay. yeah. So we divide by one, that keeps us at 137,500, correct? Now, the next thing we need to do is multiply it. So we got 137,500 divided by one investor multiplied by the average number of deals an investor will do with Michael over your working relationship. So Michael, you've worked with investors for quite a long time now. What would you say conservatively is the number of deals your average investor will do with you in these single family home type deals over your working relationship with that person? On, let's just, okay, let's say one a year to be super conservative. So we'll do 10 for this example, or, or okay. do you want to go past 10? Well, I, I just want you to tell me what realistically average investors will do with Michael over time. And you're saying they'll do one deal. So even though it, it's probably going to take them, they probably won't get all their capital out of this deal within a year, but they probably do a, a deal a year with you. Yeah, they'll do about a deal a year. And typically we get them a, a good chunk of their capital back on the refi of a burr. So right. about on average, about one a year. About one year. So, and, and they probably work with you for a 10 year time frame. So they probably do 10 deals with you over, over your working relationship. Yeah. Okay. How about if we chop that in half just to be crazy conservative? Would that? Yeah, let's do it. Because I'd rather be conservative than, than pie in the sky. All right. So we're going to multiply that by... Five. Okay. We'll do all the final numbers in a second here. Okay. So they're going to do five deals with you over time. Now, the next number we need to take into account is referrals. Referrals. And I, Michael, I know you've been in the business for quite some time. So conservatively, again, being super conservative, how many referrals do you think you can get from your average investor referring another investor to you? Oh, yeah. Um, one investor is probably being super conservative, worth at least two more referrals. All right. So that would make it like one investor would be the equivalent. So they're referring two people. One investor is like the equivalent of three investors then. Is that correct? correct? So our referral factor would be three. All right, my friend. So that's, that's the referral factor. So we've got our average profit, 137500 divided by one investor per deal multiplied by five deals they'll do with us over time, multiplied by a referral factor of three, meaning they're going to bring on two more. And this is where the math gets a little weird, but that's yep. our referral factors of three. What does that number come out to? Have you got your calculator? 
Yep, and I double checked just to make sure I didn't mess it up there. But it's two million sixty-two thousand five hundred. Two million dollars, sixty-two thousand five hundred. Yep, that's how much one investor is worth to you, Michael, with single-family homes. And see, I'm so glad that you broke this down because now our audience could truly see that fear that everybody has initially. I don't want to ask for money. Um, you know, I, I feel like I'm skimming them or they might feel like I'm scamming them. Guys, building the rapport and getting that one investor is worth, just in my scenario, $2 million. That changes my entire perspective <laughs> to, like, to, to client relation management and all. Well, doesn't above. it, right? Now, now let's... And, and again, for everybody here that's feeling hung up about, oh, I'm asking people for money and they're doing me a favor and all that kind of stuff. Well, if an investor is worth $2 million to you, how much are you worth to your investors? Mm. Now, it's not quite okay. $2 million, right? Because it's not the referral factor in there. But if you take out the referral factor, that's how much you're worth. If you're doing a 50-50 split, that's how much you're worth to that investor. It's a two-way street here, my friend. That is correct. Right? Wow. It, it, it really goes both ways. So this is, this is the mind-blowing number, the lifetime worth of an investor. So Michael, when, I, when I'm teaching boot camps and all this kind of stuff, what I have our, our students do is close their eyes and emblazon that number on the inside of their eyelids. So every time they close their eyes, it pops up in bright neon. And if I woke you up in the middle of the night after you smacked me silly and I asked you, hey, <laughs> Michael, what's the lifetime worth of an investor to you? You'd say $2,062,500. It's a, it's a life-changing number, my friend. It really is. It this, really is, why is. This, is, this is why we're in the business of real estate investing instead of schlepping hamburgers, right? Yep. <laughs> As, and, you know... There are so many quotes out there that say 90% of millionaires were made it through real estate and to build legacy, you need real estate, so forth and so on. But this actually dissects it in a way and shows you, you know, if just by building the right relationship, you can, I mean, $2 million is life-changing. $2 million. And that's just one investor, my friend. Exactly. That's just one. So, I mean, think about how many investors have you got? So again, this, this really brings things home, you guys, to why it's so important to get started raising capital, finding investors sooner rather than later. This is the only way that you can scale your portfolio in a significant manner. If you're trying to do it just like the Lone Ranger and self-financing everything, you're going to hit that wall. You're going to run out of cash. You're going to run out of credit. And you're really doing people a disservice by not bringing them on board and, and taking them along for the ride with you. I mean, think about this. Think about that, that just that one investor on that one Burr property. You're making $137,500 over a 10-year time frame. And so are they, right? That's a 50-50 split. You're growing your portfolio. You don't have to bring your own cash to the table. They're bringing the cash to the table. They don't have to figure it all out because you've got it dialed in. It's a true win-win-win scenario there. Everybody wins. So you guys, hopefully this has been uh, helpful for you. That is the lifetime worth of an investor. I, I love it. That has been extremely helpful for me. And I know the audience is going to love it too. And the one thought I had was, but I think you've already addressed it. Let's say that we can't get that full amount um, mm -hmm. from just one investor because we have people who are willing to do five or 10,000. 
then we just go back and divide that number by, by however many investors you need. But again, the smaller the deal, the fewer investors you want to have involved. And, and Michael, I'm sure you've experienced this over the years. If you bring on Aunt Edna with her $13,000, and that's all the money she's got in the world, Aunt Edna is going to be a far bigger pain in the butt than the guy or the gal that brings $100,000 to the table, and that's not all the money they have in the world. So you're really, it, it, there, there's different values to investors. So for, for example, typically when we're working with clients, we highly recommend that they have a, a minimum threshold, well, depending on the strategy they're doing, of at least $50,000, right? That would be the minimum investment amount that you're looking for from any particular investor. It just makes life so much easier for you and your investor partners as well, a lot less stressful. So the fewer cooks in the kitchen, the better. Now, I know you also do a lot of multifamily investing. So this is where the, the number is going to change. So for example, you know, you're doing, we're talking about a burr here. If you looked at your average sixplex or eightplex uh, building over a 10 year time frame, you still do the same numbers, but chances are, you know, your, your profit is probably going to be significantly higher because you're talking about much bigger numbers. But your number of investors is going to be higher as well. So instead of one investor per deal, maybe you got four or five investors per deal. So that's going to that's going to modify the numbers. So again, it's just figuring out what your you know, what your average uh, net profit is per deal. Then you divide that by the number of investors that you need on average to do that kind of a deal, multiplied by the number of times they're going to reinvest with you over your working lifetime together and then multiplied by your referral factor. And that's going to get you the lifetime worth of your investor. I love it. I love it. Thanks so much for uh, sharing that with us. Cause this is something again, that's practical. So everybody listening, I want you all to run these numbers. I want every single one of you to sit down and go back, look at some of your past deals and run these numbers. So you can really feel what that investor is worth to you, your family, your business over that lifetime of 10 years. So go ahead, go ahead. Dave. No, that's, that's perfect. My friend, that's, that's what it's all about for sure. Yeah. So, all right. So if you had one piece of advice to give anybody who's looking at having that first conversation with an investor, yeah. what would be your one piece of advice? My one piece of advice would be break the ice first before you have that investment conversation. And what I mean by that, Michael, is big mistake I made early on when I was trying to raise capital is I waited until I had a deal on the go because I had heard the freaking gurus all say, find a good deal and the money will find you. Mm-hmm. So I, I did that. And then I was scrambling to raise capital under pressure. And that led me to do desperate, needy, creepy things. <laughs> like, like picking up the phone and dialing for dollars. So people hadn't heard from me in forever. And the first thing they hear is, hey, it's Dave. How you doing? How's the family? You got any money? Right? Doesn't go over very well. Uh, so, so what we do instead when we're working with our clients is we create a very focused target group of people that we're going to really focus on. Your, your existing network, if you're just getting started with raising capital, that is the only logical place for you to start. Friends, family, coworkers, business associates, that is the local, just the logical place to start, the safest place, the fastest place, the easiest place to start. But you don't want to just charge in like dumb, dumb Dave did and just kind of like, 
I got the deals if you got the dough, right? You don't want to, don't want to do that. It just turns off so many people. And I, 2020 hindsight is pretty obvious. So what you do instead is you warm them up. You reconnect with people, you prime the pump, you set the stage for that conversation to happen. Now, does this involve a little bit more work, a little bit more effort, a little bit more thinking? Yes. But when you think about what an investor is worth to you, it's definitely worthwhile. What is losing an investor worth? What's that costing you, right? If you turn people off, right? That's what that's costing you. So you got to think about it both ways. So what we do with our clients, Mike, it's pretty simple. We do a three-step little via email. It can be as simple as via email, a warm-up campaign, just really reconnecting with people on that personal level first, setting the stage, priming the pump. And then we start marketing about what we're up to. But here's the other thing. I don't go hard and heavy right into, hey, I've got this amazing deal. Give me some money. No, it's paint the big picture. So for example, yourself, you're, 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 let's say we keep going with the Burr example. We would start our educational marketing, our edutaining marketing would all be about, hey, this is what Burrs are. Here's what Burrs are all about. Here's so, what's so great about Burrs. So we're just educating people about Burrs. We're showing them the light, what's in it for them, always what's in it for them, what's the big benefit about that. And then my goal is, instead of me chasing after investors, let's create that curiosity. Let's get them to put up their hand, ideally click on the link, book a call with us, and let's have a conversation, right? That's what it's all about. Because if you get people coming to you, instead of you chasing after them, that's a complete 180. So that's the, that's the whole goal, is to get investor meetings booked. That, that is absolutely perfect. I've mentioned the same thing to a lot of our real estate agents as well is you have to go out there and do the work first, but ideally you want those clients coming to you. And for everybody listening that thinks it's as easy as just going on and making three emails, it's simple, but it may not necessarily be easy. You have to put in the work. Um, I'm sure you spend a lot of time crafting those emails and being diligent about the response rate and, and things of that nature. So always keep that in mind. And I have to, I just have to ask, because I love you that you said it, can you explain to the audience what is edu, edutaining? Or yeah, edutainment? Our, yeah. <laughs> yeah, edutaining <laughs> communication. Well, here's the thing, Michael, and don't take this the wrong way because you're a green, ba green beret and a tough guy, so I don't <laughs> want you to get mad at me. But you and I and your listeners, we are all real estate weirdos. And I say that with love and affection, but it's true. You're nodding your head. It's you know very what? true. It's very true. Yeah. <laughs> when, when you start talking, <laughs> when you start talking, uh, ROIs, NOIs, you know, IRRs, all this kind of stuff with non-real estate people, their eyes glaze over, they zone out, and the, the conversation is done. Would, would you say that that's fairly fair? I would 100% agree. <laughs> so here's what we always have to keep in mind, folks. We're into real estate investing. Our target group of potential investors is not particularly interested in real estate investing. Otherwise, they'd be nerding out like us, listening to podcasts and doing all this education type stuff. They aren't. They're watching Netflix. They're living their lives. They're doing, they're doing normal human being things, right? Yeah. So we've got to keep that in mind. So a big mistake I see a lot of people making when they're doing any kind of marketing is they overdo it, right? Realtors are terrible for this. No offense, but I mean, they are. It's like, here's market data. Here's all these graphs and charts and that, 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 that. Most people don't care. Right. And especially true when we're talking about real estate investing, they want to get the gist of it. They want to know the big picture, maybe, but they want to make sure that we know our stuff. 
So that's why we call it edutaining, a little bit educational without going overboard, hopefully a little bit entertaining. So we pique that curiosity, we get them to reach out, ask for more information, we get them kind of looking forward to, or at least not minding our communications popping up in their email, email inbox on a regular basis. So that's, that's what edutaining means. You know, no matter what phase of our journey we're on in the real estate space, this podcast is covering everything from raising capital initially to how to actually streamline your marketing campaign on the back end through edutaining and things like that. So I'm really enjoying this. Okay, so our audience is now, they're all hyped up just like I am. They want to get in touch with you. They want to yeah. hear more of what you're producing, what, what you have out there as far as content. Where can people find you and what do you have going on? Well, thanks very much, Michael. So I've got a, I'm very excited. I've got a brand new podcast that's just launched. It's called the How to Raise Capital 101 Show for Real Estate Investors. You can find that anywhere you listen to podcasts or you can go to raisecapital101show.com. And here's what it is. It's all about getting started with raising capital. So the whole goal of the show is to show the listener how to raise their first six figures in a matter of weeks and their first seven figures even in a matter of months by applying all of this. And the first nine episodes of the show are me kind of giving you a mini course on what I call my money partner formula. And this is the, the process that we take all of our clients through. We've been doing this for years and it, it really gets you up and running and getting you investor meetings popping up on your calendar as if by magic. I love it. I love it. And I know so many of you guys want to want to know just how to raise that money because one of the biggest things that we run across is the idea that money is the most difficult uh, aspect of the of the you know characteristic traits, the deal, the experience, or the money. And people tend to think it's the money. Well, if you go and check out this podcast, I am sure Dave is going to show that it is not the most difficult thing <laughs> finding the deal. No, it, exactly. It's 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 not <laughs> difficult. It's it's uh, simple. It's not necessarily easy, right? Mm -hmm. So especially if you don't have a heavy duty marketing background. Here's the thing I found, Michael. Most of the people that we work with. These are what I call mom and pop real estate investors. Chances are they're still working at a job. They're self-managing their portfolio. They've got, they've got spouses and families that they're trying, to, they're trying to juggle all of this stuff. They don't have time for everything. So uh, that's what we're hoping to help them with with this podcast. Absolutely. I love it. So now you guys know where to go find Dave and his new podcast at How to Raise Capital 101. I'm sure it's going to be on all of the streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. So we can go from there. But uh, thank you again uh, for coming on and just sharing this knowledge. Again, this is the second time we're going to have you on for a third. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait, my friend. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure having you on my show as well. So thanks so much, Michael. Absolutely. And this is Mike signing off.